Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Don DeLego, and you are listening to the Lou Dini Rock and Roll Circus and the golden oh. voice of Lou. <laughs> Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. You are back with another Lou Dini Rock and Roll Circus. And that website, just in case you don't know, is LoudiniRockAndRollCircus.com. Uh, the new uh, music podcast every Saturday and two interviews every week on Tuesdays, released on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, all kind of goodies there. Uh, to stay abreast of everything, I highly recommend that you sign up for our mailing list. That way you get the podcast sent directly to you. It's no must, no fuss. Uh, just go to LoudiniRockAndRollCircus.com to get all that information. I would like to thank my sponsor real quick, uh, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, pplmag.com, Pittsburgh's first internet radio, TV network, and online community magazine. Uh, you can uh, watch uh, uh, videos and listen to audios, uh, read articles and get coupons of, uh, with all the different businesses that are there. A lot of great content. You can learn a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of stuff about health and wellness. And we, I believe, are the only rock and roll podcast there. So uh, kudos to uh, Positively Pittsburgh Live for hosting the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. You can also start your own magazine page. So if you're so inclined to do a podcast or uh, put out educational videos or something, it's a great place to be seen by about one million uh, new uh, or unique uh, visitors every month. That is Positively Pittsburgh Live magazine, pplmag.com. Now, the, the gentleman that we have uh, on our interview today is Don DeLego. Uh, since the release of his uh, previous album, Photographs of 1971, Don has produced and released two EPs uh, as a Beautiful Small Machines with his longtime musical partner, Bree Sharp. Uh, and this also included a guest appearance by Duran Duran, Simon LeBond. I'd love to hear that story. And uh, penned the soundtrack to the feature film Ranchero and helped co-write many songs that would appear on Jesse Mallon's uh, Love It to Life album. Uh, during that same interim period, he also played on the Light of Day tour in Europe, which traveled to over 10 countries, sharing the stage with Mallon, Mara, uh, Willie Nile, and for a brief fleeting moment, even Bruce Springsteen, the boss himself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Don DeLego uh, to the Ludini oh. Rock and Roll Circus. What an intro. Makes me sound <laughs> like I've done something. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any cowboys, Don, in New York City? This is what I want to know. You know, I'll tell you something. I <laughs> took a lot of slack years ago. The first record that I ever had in my whole life, my dad used to own a bar when I was a kid, and he had a jukebox in there. And interestingly enough, my dad actually wasn't a big music fan, but what he'd do is he would bring, you know, when they would change over the 45s in, in the jukebox, he'd bring home a couple for the kids. He'd steal home a couple. And so the first record I ever owned was Rhinestone Cowboy. And for some reason, I was convinced that the Rhinestone Cowboy lived somewhere in the vicinity of where I grew up. And then I would see a horseback riding Rhinestone Cowboy. 
but somehow I connected to this sort of, and I grew up in Western Mass. I mean, it's I, I have a very, <laughs> you know, not very farm oriented. <laughs> Western Mass is very beautiful in, in, in Bukowski and all that kind of stuff, but you know, not cowboy per se. But I just sort of really connected with that on an early stage. So when I moved to New York in the mid '90s, I was always wearing you know my thrift store cowboy shirts, and people would make fun of them, saying I was like urban cowboy, but of course then it just became a thing, and now now everybody has them. No, yeah, but yes, you started, I'm a cutting edge of fashion. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, that's funny because um, many years ago, you, know, you read something and it never, you know, it kind of sticks with you. I read a quote from Joe Strummer who said, you know, the best cowboy songs are often written by a Jew from New York City. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's about actually that true. Romance. We romanticize things, you know what I mean, like you did with the with the rhinestone cowboy, and sometimes that takes on a way more like larger than life and more important because you get into the sort of metaphor of it or the sort of what it really means as opposed to because probably being a real cowboy, honestly, dude, would probably actually kind of suck. <laughs> well, in, in, in a very difficult life, but you know, you make a good point because we do romanticize. I mean, that's how we identify with anything. We romanticize it, right? So. And, and you're correct. I mean, even even in the music world in general, I mean, there aren't there aren't a ton of iconic acts that lasted over time that were a- autonomous in writing their own material, right? You have the Stones and you have a Dylan and stuff, but you know, a lot of the longer lasting acts at some point would have, especially in the 60s and 70s, people write these songs for them. They'd be at the Brill Building, or they'd be, you know, like people coming out of Nashville just writing songs, and it takes that personality that imbibes sort of like that world of cowboy or the world of pop star and and they can sell the product they can sell those songs i think about that for myself all the time I, i'll listen to some of my own material and i go god you should just retire and let somebody else <laughs> sell this for you because they might do a better job but well uh, you do you you work with close with um jesse matt am i saying name is it malin Yep, correct. Okay, yeah, you work you work closely with Jesse Jesse Allen, so you do um, some uh, collaboration and writing for other people. But let's take a little wee bit of a step back um, after the Rhinestone Cowboy. Like, how did you really? What what inspires you to get uh, to get into music and and become a uh, a, a singer songwriter? Well, honestly, I I just did it since I was a kid. I mean, when I was five, you know, my I had a, an Italian Catholic upbringing and my grandfather had a big old house and the family would get there on the weekends and they had a grand piano that nobody played. And even when at five, I would just sort of go in there and start kind of goofing around and, and figuring out notes and I'm sure annoying everybody. Um, and then I remember my, my parents divorced young, but my mom had a piano and, and she was in theater. And I must have been eight or nine and one day one of her drunk theater friends was over the house. This story doesn't end bad. Uh, okay. and they, right. they, they sat at the piano and they showed me the song, The Rose. Oh. And, um, you know, Bette Midler in the movie. But it, it has a very sort of traditional courting arrangement, right? It, it's, it's, it's a courting that exists. It's, it's the same thing as Purple Rain by Prince. You know, it's very, very traditional sort of courting. But they were just showing me how to play The Rose. And I remember, the, and I was very impressionable, and they just said, "This, if you learn this song, you can do any song, you know. And I, for some reason, that really stuck with me, and so I would just practice the rows <laughs> over and over, um, really just the chords, and it sort of gave me this 
And now that I, it's funny, I've never even told this. Now that I'm telling you, I'm got, I'm like, Jesus, do I keep writing the rose over and over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, out there, if you're listening, you could just listen to the rose and you'll have everything done. But, <laughs> right, you'll have my whole catalog. Like, you'll have my yeah. whole catalog. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so you know, at a very young age, and then of course, like anybody else that does music, when I was 13, 14, 15, I just started bands and and you know, kept going and didn't listen to advice to not do it and. Here I am, way way past my prime, still still making records. Well, that's fantastic. Um, so, um, what made you uh, uh, have make the decision to move to uh, New York City? It was not a decision at all. I was living in Boston for years, a city that I love, and and I had a band there uh, that was called Standing on Earth, and we did we did that was sort of the band where I did my due diligence and you know, went through the scene, worked for local radio stations, looked for worked for local zines and worked for local, you know, record labels and did the whole thing that you should be doing when you're young and trying to, you know, get your band noticed and and uh we were together for six, seven years and sort of got a, a a manager on a record deal and it you know, I won't even bore you with that whole story, but it immediately fell apart and and of course, I was probably 26, and I said, "God, my life is over. What am I going to do? I'm never going to do any more music." <laughs> and uh, my manager at the time, who was living in New York, said, well, "Why don't you just come here, crash at crash at our loft, and you can kind of work on some tunes?" And uh, so it was really just default. I, I was sort of depressed, and the band broke up, and I had I had no money and nothing. And fortunately, I had you know, I, at the time I didn't think of this, but I look back at it finally that I had somebody that was willing to sort of say, "Hey, I'll let me pick you up. You just stay here and you know work on your music," and and that's what I did. And and when I moved to New York, and I just started working on some tunes, and it was the first time in my life that I worked on tunes for no reason. I didn't have a band, and I didn't have, uh, um, I wasn't trying to achieve any goal. I was just like having fun. And mm-hmm. this particular studio I was working in was they were doing mostly hip hop stuff. And as a matter of fact, they did um, one of the bands that was coming through every day was, was company flow who uh, Mike from company flow now is in run the jewels who are huge. And they, uh, you know, so these guys would be in the studio all day doing hip hop stuff. And I was sort of resident white guy in the back, in the background. And I'd come <laughs> in and I'd play a little guitar and some of the stuff for bass if they needed regular instruments. But when everybody would leave, I would start goofing around with, samplers or the equipment just just figuring anything out and i wrote a few songs just as a goof and at, you know at, because the world works in crazy ways uh those songs that i made got me a record deal with universal um which is really kind of how i became myself don delego I, I would had i had had i had a chance to do it all over again i would never go by my name i would <laughs> absolutely hide under the cover of a band name but I, it literally happened so fast where, you know, here I had spent, you know, six, seven, eight years in Boston hustling, hustling, hustling. And then I moved to New York, wrote a few songs, ended up getting a record deal. And, and it happened so quick that I didn't have a chance to even come up with something. So I signed under my name. And that's just how I started releasing solo material. And that, and that was, and that was photograph. Is that where, is that when photographs of 1971 uh, Well, that was, out? That, so... Yeah, well, the first record that I did with Universal was, you know, a, a failed. I, I mean, failed in the sense that uh, that was a record called The Lone Star Hitchhiker. Failed in the sense of like I didn't go anywhere with Universal, and then I okay. got dropped okay. and continued on on my own. Photographs is I, probably my third, my third record that I did, and that was independently done. Um, and then you did two uh, EPs, and I, and then now 
it, now your record, uh, uh, Magnificent Ram A, is mm-hmm. that that's going to be a full length album? That's a full length album. Yep. Okay. Why EPs in between? <clears throat> well, that's an interesting <laughs> question. Uh, again, I, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to, you know, for the majority of people that are listening, you don't know who I am. And so it's one thing if Bruce Springsteen is answering a question, people are enthralled, right? So I'm trying to figure out a way to, to answer that without it sounding boring. Um, I think really it's just a matter of what you have at any given time. I mean, today there's no rules anymore, right? I mean, right. The, the, art, the art of the record and I even battled this with my new record. I had 20 songs done, going, and, and I was like, there's no way I can, no one's going to listen to 20 songs. No one's going to sit there. No one's going to put this, very few are going to sit sit in their room and go, you know, today I'm going to get stoned and listen to Don DeLego's new album and just uh, take it all in. Do it's really, <laughs> people are going to be, and even and even you, I mean, I really truly appreciate, you know, we we. We spoke briefly before starting this about you were catching a couple of my songs, and you know that's that does mean a lot to me because I think people think, and I'm sure you're busy. You've probably done a, you know, a bunch of other interviews today, and so to, to take the time to really sort of absorb and listen to someone else's art, I mean that's I, I really that's a personal it means a lot to me because I know people's time is, is very scattered. So it's, anyway, it's a long way of getting back to the EP thing, which is to say that before I had been working on this concept of what Magnificent Ram A was for a long time, and then I had recorded a bunch of songs that did not fit that concept. And so I just decided these are good songs. It doesn't really fit this record I'm making, but I don't want to wait five more years to put them out. So I in between photographs and this record, I put out an EP called Western Atlantic, and a lot of the songs that I started for this record ended up on that EP. It just made sense at the time. And, and honestly, mm-hmm. going forward, and you'll see a lot of acts doing this now, it, they're called EPs, but really we're kind of going back to where things were in the 60s anyway. Very, you know, The Beatles were the first band that really started the art form of making a quote-unquote album. And then you had a sort of 10, 12, 15-year period where people listen to these things you know that was an event to get a record to yeah. go by exile on main street and sit there and then talk about it with your friends or led zeppelin four or whatever but that really was a short period of time where that was really something that was taken as an art form but prior to that everything was about singles everything you know bands existed wholly on going from one single to the next uh to the next to the next and we're sort of a little bit getting back to that i don't know that it's You'll get a lot of people that will lament the loss of the album. I'll probably mm-hmm. be one of those people, but I'll also be the first to admit that, you know, like everybody else, I don't always sit in my living room waiting for a record to just sit and put it on and not do anything else. Right. So. right. Of course, of course, of course. Um, well, you've got a uh, the magnificent Ram A coming out. In a, actually, by the time this airs, it will already be out. Um, and I want to talk all about this record and who's on it and everything that's going on with it. Uh, but I think what we're going to do first is uh, we're just going to go ahead and uh, give everybody a taste. We're going to go ahead and play the song uh, uh, Drive Like Pirates. And, uh, and then we'll, and we'll come back and we'll talk about the song and we'll talk about the record and everything. So, uh, guys, you're listening to uh, Don DeLego on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. This is uh, the song on his, on his uh, album Magnificent Ram A. This is Drive Like Pirates. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.